You're listening to Country Life with Keith Fahey on Galway Bay FM. Good evening, I'm Keith Fahey and welcome to this week's edition of Country Life. On the show this week, I'll be talking to a number of different people live from the Ploughing Championships in Rathaneska, County Leash. Plus, we'll have some late, some of the latest MART reports and farming news from across the country. And as always, if you want to get in t- contact with the show, you can email countrylife at galwaybayfm.ie. So that's countrylife at galwaybayfm.ie. And so if anyone has any topics or issues or anything they'd like to cover or have any farming-related questions, don't be afraid to contact the show. So just, I suppose we might start off with the, there's going to be a contract, contract heifer-rearing farm walk on Thursday, the 29th of September at 11am on the farm of Billy Gilmore in Cartoon Tume, uh, County Galway. And the air code is h 54 ap 28 These farm walks will address the following. Why consider contract rearing? the requirements for a successful uh, contract rearing agreement, health issues and other key concerns, and what are the costs. So there will be a number of um, Chagas, uh, farmer, Chagas advisors available on the day uh, to go through the different um, questions or that you may have. So just in relation to some of the March reports, so this week in Lockray March there was a sheep sale. The lamb trade was slightly better than the last w- than the week before. More factor demand uh, for colios have come back in price. Colios have come back in price a little bit, and the demand for breeding goes seems to be di- uh, drying up. So lambs thirty nine kilos sold for one o three, forty two kilos sold for one one eight, uh, forty five kilos sold for one thirty. Uh, then onto the colios, a fifty three kilo lamb sold for eight, or colio sold for eighty eight, an eighty one kilo colio sold for uh, one hundred and twenty nine. Then the yohogets tops of two hundred and twenty, and most sold from one sixty to one ninety. Uh, then the waning sale, an outstanding uh, bull waning show and sale on Friday last with huge demand for Charlie Cross bulls. The show results class uh, one best Charlie bull to David Boyle from Athenry, 390 kilos sold for 1560, class two best limousine um, cross bull by John Keating, Ren Moore, 390 kilos sold for 1100, class three best Belgian blue bull sold to David's, or from David Spellman, uh, Leitrim, 285 kilos sold for 1100. So then on to some heifers and a 385 kilo limousine cross sold for for 920 um a belgian blue 440 kilos sold for 1230 so just on to the Chumart report so monday the 19th of september at Chumart saw a tougher store trade while whaling trade soared including 424 for whaling bulls up to 424 for whaling bulls and up to 418 for whaling heifers some sample cow prices include a 785 charlie cross cow sold for 1880 or 239 a 760 kilo charlie cross cow uh, sold for 1900 or 250 a kilo a uh, 720 limousine cross cow sold for 18.50 or 2.57 a kilo, and then some sample heifer prices include a 405 kilo limousine cross sold for 1100 or 2.72 a kilo, a, f- a 535 kilo 
A pair of limousine cross uh, heifers uh, sold for thirteen twenty or two forty six. A seven hundred and thirty kilo Charlie cross heifer sold for nineteen hundred or two sixty a kilo. Then onto some sample bullock prices: a four forty kilo limousine cross bullock sold for thirteen hundred or two ninety five. A four hundred and thirty five kilo Angus cross bullock sold for eleven ten or two fifty five a kilo. A seven hundred and fifty kilo limousine cross bullock sold for two thousand two hundred sixty or three euro and one cent uh, a kilo. So Chumart's Charlie winnings shown sales saw lightning trade uh, throughout. The evening and attracted buyers from far and near. Uh, some sample prices from the Charlie waning sale in Tume. Uh, with 335 kilo Charlie cross sold for 1400 or 40, 4 euro and 18 cent a kilo, 360 kilos. Heifer he- sold for 1210 or 336. A pair of 320 sh- kilo Charlie cross uh, heifers sold for 1160 or that's 363 kilo. Then onto some sample bull prices. The Charlie cross 252 kilo bull sold for 272 a kilo, so that he sold for 950. A pair of 397 kilo Charlie Cross Bull Wayland sold for 1540 or 388 a kilo. A 418 kilo Charlie Cross um, Bull Wayland sold for 1570 or 378 a kilo. So then on to the Mount um, so the Montpellier Mart was on the 17th of September. Montpellier Mart, sorry, the cattle sale was on the 14th of September. Increased number on previous week. Quality cattle met with a firm trade. However, plainer and lighter cattle were harder sold. The small number of cull cows with and calves at foot met with a brisk trade. So, so some pa- sample prices there for store heifers. One limousine cross 445 kilo sold for 1220 or 274 a kilo. A cemental cross 345 kilo heifer sold for 870 then on, or 252 a kilo. Then on to store bullocks in Montpellier. Uh, 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 585 kilo Hereford Cross sold for 1200 or 205 a kilo. A 445 kilo Hereford Cross sold for 1100 or 202 a kilo. Then onto some cows, a two limousine. Uh Two uh, cows and calves um, sold for thirteen forty or up to thirteen hundred. Um, then onto the cattle sales. Um, so the cattle sales are on Wednesdays at six pm with gates opening at four pm. Um, then on to the Montpellier sh- Mart uh, sheep sale that was on Saturday the 17th of September there was a very large sale again this week with increased numbers of lambs and breeding sheep stag yos and fracture lambs were a similar trade to the previous week good yo lambs and store lambs were a good trade so on to lambs 15 yo lambs at 41.2 kilos sold for 115 uh, 10 yo lambs at three 37.6 kilos sold for 101 then on to some stag yos 8 yos 8 stag yos at 81 kilos sold for 126 uh, three yos at 67 kilos sold for 136 then onto yo hoggets there was a good solid trade for all lots prices range from f- 150 up to 220 euro and there's a good trade for strong hog- hoggets small lighter sheep were harder sold breeding yos uh, were a similar trade uh, to the week before ranging from 150 to 170 and the sheep sale is on every Saturday at 10am in person and online with Marti in the two rings um, and gates open at 7.30am uh, and cattle sales Wednesdays at 6pm so I'm with uh, James Creevy from Herdwatch. Uh, James is the head of product uh, with Herdwatch. So uh, we're here at the uh, the National Ploughing Championships in Ratanesca. So um, great to meet you, uh, James. And I suppose what is Herdwatch and what's your role with Herdwatch? Perfect. Thanks for having me on. Um, so Herdwatch is a farm management app that allows farmers to record all their day-to-day farm information just to, I suppose, to minimise the the paperwork side of farming and to I suppose make better use of the farm information that we're, that they're recording. So it lets, it lets dairy sucker beef and now sheep farmers record the likes of their calf registration, their medicines for board via their breeding records on the spot as it happens. Um, and we're here at the plowing I suppose trying to talk to more farmers and try to get more farmers on board. So today we've actually just over seventeen and a half thousand farmers using Hardwatch across Ireland and the UK. 
but we're actually launching um we're launching our new app uh which is called Flockwatch, which basically enables sheep farmers i suppose to have the same level of individual record keeping uh for their flock as both uh dairy and sucker farmers have had for the last eight years that herd watch has been around okay and i suppose you, you mentioned there that so you've beef and sheep farmers that you work with what kind of information um aside from maybe um registering calves and that can sheep and beef farmers uh, input into the the herd watch app well i suppose everything really related to to their animals and i suppose now now their land as well so i suppose on the on the beef and sh- on the beef side first of all um everything that you need to record from a, i suppose from a farm point of view whether it's your um whether it's your breeding record, so like your serves, your scan and your heat section, you can record your herd watch and then it'll actually give you a notification, say when that cow is due to repeat or when she's due to calf. So you can kind of, I suppose you can be ahead of yourself in terms of like you're watching out for cows that are potentially due to repeat today. Okay. Um, it'll send me a push notification, but I can also record like my weight recording as well. So if I'm weighing cattle, whether it's just from a management point of view or if I have to weigh for, uh, for, the, um, for the beef scheme, that can all be recorded through the herd watch app. And the good thing about that is that I suppose you get like you get real time insights in terms of okay, what's the average daily gain of that animal? Is it thriving or is it doing a bit poorly? So do I need to give it a warmer? But also, um, once you record information, hard watch, it'll go everywhere you need to go. So your weights will be submitted to ICBF for you for beep. So it's kind of like a one stop shop for for all that that information. But then you can also record your sale information too. So whether you know what price you're selling your cattle at the market or your sheep. So you can kind of track year on year, okay, who are my best cattle, who are my best and worst cows or yos. And it just sort of allows you to build up that picture of your farm to kind of, I suppose, rather than, you know, you might think, you know, just definitely my, this is my best cow, she's a lovely looking cow. But on, the reality is, you know, she mightn't throw a great calf every year, but you kind of just remember the one good calf she has. And it just kind of just gives you that, I suppose, that insight in your pocket. Because the way the app works is um, it's cloud-based which means all the data, all the information is backed up to the cloud. You can have it on multiple devices, but it actually works offline. So you don't need internet to use it. So if kind of you're like me in the West of Ireland and you're in North Scotland, the internet is fantastic a lot of the time. So you don't need to have internet on your phone to use it. You can pick out your phone. You can see, okay, well, that's when that cow calved. Or you know, sometimes even you're down the field and you see a calf a bit off form. You're trying to see, okay, who's he off now? Uh, and you can see the cow and she's a swollen letter. Like, you know, it just kind of, it sort of it just allows you to tie all your your kind of farm information together at a very simplest simple level, but then at a kind of at a, at a, at a I suppose a higher level then again you've actually just you've really good visibility on how your farm is doing day to day and kind of just be able to make better decisions. And um, on on the Flockwatch side of things, then so we only really launched Flockwatch the app um, at, I suppose middle of lambing season this year, so it enables sheep farmers to record. All day to day, their day to day information. So if if you owe lambs, you can record straight away how many lambs did you have, are they alive, are they dead, kind of how lively they are, how milky the owe is, um, and then you can kind of follow them through. So if you're weighing lambs, you can record your weight through the app. And the beauty of that is, most sheep farmers have a weigh scales, but the vast majority of them are like the you know the analog clock scales. So you can't really get that sort of see how your average daily gains are doing. But if you're recording that information, heard watch, it'll actually give you that back in that digital format. So it really allows you to piggyback on the the technology that's already on your farm and just get a little bit more from it. And then you can record, obviously, record your sale prices and um, and we'll shortly moving into the space where you can actually update your your flock register as well through it. So it's kind of just it's about sort of enabling farmers to first and foremost remove the pen and paper from farming, but then to start benefiting from that. 
So it's not just a, it's not just getting the pen and paper. It's actually giving the farm more information to make better decisions. So to keep your best yolks and get rid of the ones that are actually only throwing you singles every year. Make sure you're not taking their yolk lambs and breeding them the following year. Just giving you that insight and and so how to how to manage these things faster, but better also. Okay, yeah, and just in relation to the weights there, it's uh, I use it myself as well. I find it very, very good, but it's amazing even there. I remember last winter there, um, we were using it ourselves at home and we had a pin of even, uh, there were Frisian bullocks, you know, and we had weighed them, uh, we said that we weighed them in November, we weighed them 35 days again later, but it's unreal, you know, you can have a, a similar group of animals in the same pin and... I remember at the time one bullock was doing 0.95 kilos a day and another Frisian bullock was doing 1.94 kilos and they were from the same herd. Oh, wow. they're, they're actually the same bull. They were getting the same feeding. But, you know, it, it, it's great. And, you know, when farmers are recording weights, they know then maybe that, look, it's not worth feeding this animal anymore if it's if they've reached their peak in terms of uh, carcass or daily weight gain. You know, it, like the, as they say, the figures don't lie. Exactly. And even it's good to highlight, I suppose, highlight management issues and something that actually similar to happened to us uh, last year. So we've only re- very recently started started finishing cattle at home and um, we had a pen of, pen of bull weighing like that as well. And uh, we thought they were all doing well and we kind of weighed them, weighed them about 30, 40 days after going into the shed. And like that, half of them were doing really well and half of them were, were barely thriving. And what we realised then is actually, you know what, we've too many, we've too many cattle in this pen. Okay. Like you know, the, the lads who get access to feed are flying it. But it's one of those things that was, that you know, predict, I suppose, particularly when you're not used to doing something, it just kind of highlights an area for concern because you have to scratch your head. It's like, well, yeah. these animals are all getting well fed, they've all free access silage. There's enough feed space at the barrier for, for the amount of cows that were in there, but, but clearly there actually wasn't enough when they came down to it because some of the smaller ones were getting bullied away. Yeah, and it yeah. just kind of you know, it, it just highlights issues that you might that it might have been you know, it could have been another six weeks or, or two months before you really cop that these animals weren't thriving, exactly. Yeah, so it's a great indicator that way as well. Yeah. Yeah. And just in relation to, you know, the Borbia, um, how can Herdwatch help in relation to Borbia audits? You know, we, we see the Borbia um auditors coming out on farms. Um, you know, they look at your your dosing, your meal receipts, your meal inputs and that. Um I suppose farmers can use the app to record this also. Yeah, exactly. I suppose that's one of the one of the main reasons that a lot of farmers get Herdwatch or Flockwatch now would be to sort of take the I suppose the stress out of out of the maintaining Borbia records. So everything that you need to record for for the Borbia audit can be recorded through Hardwatch. So when you buy a bottle of medicine, you can literally scan in the barcode of the bottle of medicine. That'll pull that information into Hardwatch. And then have to use that use that medicine. So as you treat an animal or treat treat a batch of animals, you can record that straight away. The whole I suppose the whole point of it is it lets you record that information on the spot. Yes. Uh, and so once you record on the spot, then you're you're immediately compliant. And like what happens in a lot of cases, and you know, you see it. We were the same at home before we started using it as well. Like you'd, you'd, you'd do a lock a dose and, and you you know, inject a few cows, and you'd be in your head and you say, I'll record that now this evening or mm. record it then the weekend. Of course, it never happens. You know, 18 months later, you're you're scrambling to get your paperwork right, whereas the phone is always in your pocket. You put it into your phone one time and you're compliant from a board BA point of view. So then when you do have the audit, it's literally only a matter of running the few reports, having them printed off and ready for, for the auditor when they arrive out. So it's, it just simplifies, and I suppose, just takes the stress out of the whole out of the whole process and it kind of allows you to do the farming piece as opposed to the paperwork side of things. Okay. And just in relation, as every farmer, they're probably, the first question is, how much does it cost? So it's, it's, um, 
the cost is actually depending on the type of farming that you're doing okay. and the number, the size of your herd. So it starts off about 130 euro for a, for a beef farmer. And then as your farm size goes up or as you, um, if your dairy farmers pay a little bit more because they've access to more functionality. Right. So it scales up from there. So it's very much related to the, to the size, size of your herd. So it's kind of, yeah, it allows, it basically it matches, I suppose, tries to match the value that the farmer gets to what we, to what we deliver. But okay. the big thing with herd watch, new pay for today, we're constantly, you know, innovating, adding new features, driving it on. So it's like if you bought a tractor today and in six months time, we'll come back and stick a front loader on it for you as well because we're constantly just sort of Updating and updating the app and add more functionality and features into it. You can so also it's ma- never, it ne- it's never, yeah, sorry, it it never it never really stands still as well. So it's it's constantly we're constantly improving. It, I suppose. Okay, and you can also map your farm now as well and record the sprays. Yeah, and that. yeah. That's a huge that's a huge area of focus for us. Um, if you want to like, I suppose the whole environmental uh, environmental piece is going to be the next, I suppose, compliance area for our farmers. And we want to try and make sure that we're making it as easy for them as possible. So we launched our farm maps module just over a year ago, and we've got 300,000 acres now mapped through Herdwatch. Okay. So that what this does is it gives farmers um, access to their, their fields within Herdwatch digitally. So then straight away, like there's some very, very simple uses for it. You can say actually exact field size when you're going to fill in the fertilizer spreader, you know, you can put in, well, I'm going, if I'm going two bags an acre and that's six acre field, and it is actually six acres, because a lot of time you might call a field, you know, the big field or the, the seven acre field, and it mightn't actually be that. Yeah, yeah. So it allows yeah. you to be very, very precise. But we're actually building on that now as well. So we're bringing out like fertilizer management, soil fertility, a huge number of, of I suppose, it's, it's a big area of focus for us. And we actually have a team internally that's focused on just driving the, I suppose, the grass environmental management side of Herdwatch forward. So that's going to be a huge area of growth for us because. I suppose there's more and more pressure on farmers in terms of how they make, I suppose, the best use out of, out of their land, which is in a lot of cases the biggest limiting factor. So, you know, if your you know, if your soil is more fertile, is more healthy, then you'll you'll grow more grass or whatever, basically whatever crop you're having. Us, so we want to try and build the tools to enable farmers to do that, having access to that within within their phone. To, I suppose as they're sitting up on top of the, on on the tractor and going out spreading. You know, um, you know, half ton of whatever it is, eighteen six cells or, tw- or ten and twenty, so that you can actually see. Well, actually, instead of going to the field next to me, I'm like, I I can see that the fields, you know, the fields down, uh, a few fields down is actually one that needs a compound fertilizer more than more than this one, and I get that one with straight. So it allows you to kind of trying to make the best use out of the, I suppose, some of the most expensive um, expensive imports you can buy. Okay, okay. And where can people find you at the plough? And obviously tomorrow, Wednesday and so, Thursday um, is, is left at the plough. Whereabouts are you or what are you promoting at the plough? No, we're, we're, we're kind of, we're, we're hard miss. We're actually in two locations. So we're in the Innovation Arena here, which is just basically on uh, row 17. And it's a big two-story stand. You can't miss it. And we're also in, uh, we also have a Herdwatch tent, which is part of the FRS tent as well. So you'll, that's a two rows down, I think we'll leave row 15. Um, we'll be hard missed though. We'll be out and about and we'll make sure we're going to chat, chatting to as many farmers as possible. And if you are interested or you're learning more about Herdwatch or you're just a customer and want to have a chat with us, we're here and we're looking forward to meeting as many farmers as we can for the next three days. Very good. James Grevy, Head of Product with Herdwatch. Thanks for coming on Country Life. Thank you very much. So next up on Country Life, we have John Kilboyle. Uh, John works in Toom and he's organised a, a contract heifer rearing farm walk that's on in the farm of Billy Gilmore on Thursday the 29th of September at 11am in Cartoon in Toom and they're going to cover contract rearing. So John, you're very welcome to Country Life and thanks for coming on the show. 
Um, so John, I suppose in relation to uh, contract rearing, for people that may not be familiar with it, what is contract rearing? So I suppose just to get into it in terms of um, contract rearing, or I suppose what we're talking about in this instance is um, contract heifer rearing, is, is a writ- written agreement um, whereby a dairy farmer um, will supply um, a heifer calf uh, reared um, the dry stock farm um, at an agreed uh, fee per head per day. And uh, in return for that, then the contract rearer or the dry stock farm will uh, undertake to rear that animal and in many cases return that animal in calf following um, back end um, to the dairy farm in good condition. Okay. So the, the replacement heifers may be moved um, from the dry stock farm back to the dairy farm at different times, uh, depending on the nature of the individual agreement between the farms. Okay, and why would dairy farmers uh, consider to contract rear out their heifers, uh, John? So I suppose, uh, I suppose at the moment, um, there's some challenging times come forward with for dairy farmers in terms of regulation, and that can be one aspect of it, and I'll touch on that in a moment. But I suppose there's also some um, opportunities there for dairy farmers um, to potentially um, contract rear their young stock uh, and it opens up maybe potential for them on their home farm. So I suppose in one context, if we look at it, if um, some dairy farmers might be using some of their milking platforms um, for land to rear their young stock. So in many cases, if they can um, get those animals um, moved off to a contract rearing farm, it can open up this land to potentially uh, milk more cows on, on the platform and maybe give it into a more profitable system for that farmer and I suppose on the back of that that can sometimes have the knock-on effect of creating a more simplified system on that farm that all that dairy farmer is um, looking after then are their, their milking cows and they can focus in their concentration on the management um, of the, that animal throughout the year. Um, going on from that I suppose, as I said, with with challenge of times come forward, maybe with regulation, and there's a lot of regulation coming at farmers, uh, especially dairy farmers, in the coming years. Um, next year, I suppose, we have the introduction of the nitrate banding, um, which is going to have an effect for um, a lot of dairy farmers in terms of uh, how many animals they can hold on their holdings uh, to keep within their, their nitrates regulations. So uh, one option for the farms, um, for some farmers, may be to contract rear out their young stock which will reduce the nitrous loading on, of those animals on their farm um, to potentially meet, stay within the regulations um, on that uh, and I suppose another area for some dairy farmers um, that maybe find it difficult is to get access to labour on farms um, it's becoming more and more challenging as years go on so I suppose if we're in a situation where some dairy farmers might um, send out their young stock to a contract rarer, um, it's freeing up um, time that they can put in um, to the other stock and it's reducing the labour pressure on the farm, which can be especially important with uh, spring workloads on farms as well. Okay, so it'll probably and be... Also, a, yeah, sorry. So, sorry, Keith, uh, I suppose on the back of it all, the overall picture, it will improve their overall work-life balance uh, when it comes to it as well. 
Okay, so they probably have less numbers of stock on the farm in terms of the dairy farmer and then they can concentrate more on the dairy cows and maybe keep more dairy cows on the milking platform and while reducing the workload. Um, so I suppose that's the benefits to the dairy farmer. What benefits um, has the contract rearer? Yeah, so looking at it from, from the dry stock farmer's point of view, Look at that. We're by no means are we saying this is um, the answer for every farmer, but it may be an option for some farms um, to look at. There's definitely huge potential there for, for, from the dry stocks farmers' point of view, whether it's to complement their existing system, uh, which some farms have done uh, in the locality where they may be running a, a beef enterprise, uh, where a suckler cows or um, finishing system and so on, and maybe to enhance the system or provide an additional income stream that they're going down the route of contract rearing um, a proportion of stock on some of the farm. Um, so that that has the benefit, I suppose, of improving cash flow and income on the farm that um, you get in, you, you have your set number of stock coming in from a dairy farm at an agreed fee um, and that's money's coming in on a monthly basis so it can improve the cash flow on the farm from that perspective, whereas in a lot of beef systems, uh, income can be concentrated to a certain time of the year, and sometimes cash flow can be difficult enough to plan for around that. Um, and I suppose in the grand, the, the overall picture, it is providing that additional income um, stream on the overall farm in the in, over, over the course of the year. So I suppose that has one um, major benefit for farms. Um, another areas, if we look at it uh, in terms of the, the very nature of the agreement that the dairy farmer is providing the heifer um, to the dry stock farm to be reared. Um, so there's no investment stock there for the dry stock, um, no investment required in stock for the dry stock farmer. So in terms of farmers having to have monies out in terms of purchasing stock or having stock and loans on the farm to purchase stock, it, it's reducing the need for that. Um, so, so it can complement the, the existing farm system very nicely in that side of things because sometimes it can be difficult for farms to increase stock numbers or get access to stock having the cash flow to do that so that's another major benefit on that side of things and I suppose if you can get if we can get the um, looking at specific types of farms and maybe a farm that can run their paddock system rotational grazing system and keep good quality grass in front of animals and produce high quality silage like you would like to do in any farm system but if you if you can run that kind of a system and um it, this uh, contract rearing has the potential to be um profitable maybe more profitable in some instances than some beef systems um as it's reducing out the risk of beef price volatility as well which which can be an issue from time to time as well in, in many beef systems. So that's another major benefit there as well um, from a from a dry stock farmer's point point of view as well. Okay, and I suppose when farmers are drawn up the agreement, as you said there, every farm or agreement is probably going to be different in terms of different farms or what may suit one dairy farmer and another. But in general, we'll say so. The calves are kind of coming on the rarer's farm, reared off milk around May June time. Yeah, so look, there's there's loads of variations w- within the agreement, but but by and large, um, you are looking at the the rare dairy heifer calf coming from the dairy farm onto the dry stock farm at maybe twelve weeks of age, uh, to May June time, um, and staying on that dry stock farm for um, a year and a half essentially, or within five hundred and fifty days, say to the following 
October, November, 12 months. Um, is, is going back to the dairy farm at that stage in calf and in good condition. So that's um, the basis of an overall um, agreement, say for a farm that can take in both calves and have the capacity to carry their counterparts in terms of the, the yearling heifers as well. But uh, there can be variations within that agreement as well, where some farms may decide uh, are, are currently doing it in parts well, but they may have the capacity either to take in, say, the calves for the first grazing season, um, where they mightn't have the housing for the winter. Other farms might take in animals for the winter, for just the house period, for, say, contract uh, wintering, and whereas other farms then may take in just the, the yearling heifer uh, for the second grazing season, say, from the March-April time until until that, uh, the following October, November, for that second grazing season. So there is variations within it, but um, the overall agreement from 12 weeks of age to the following um, October, November, 550 days period is, is the general um, agreement um, that you would see in a lot of farms. Okay, so the event is on uh, on Billy Gilmore's farm in Cartoon and Tume um, on Thursday the 29th of September at 11am. Uh, the air code is H54AP28 and the farm will address what is contract rear and the requirements of a successful agreement, health issues and other key concerns and what are the costs. So John Kilboyle, uh, thanks very much for coming on Country Life um, and we'll talk again soon. So we're joined here at the ploughing in Ratanesca with Gary and Niall Earls. So um, the Earls are part of the Easy Fix team. So uh, lads, crazy busy day for you today I'd say. Yeah, it's been it's been brilliant. I suppose the weather has a lot to do with it, but I suppose the biggest thing is that the ploughing is back. Um, after the last couple of years, we've we're all we were all looking forward to get, getting back down here. You know, very good. And what kind of products have you on offer today? Well, look at with the uh, the boom that's been on in the dairy industry the last couple of years. There's a huge amount of interest in our uh, flexible cubicles, our our mattress matting. You know, animal welfare and comfort is such a huge issue at the minute. Or such, I won't say it's such a huge issue, but it's such a huge talking point. And people now realise that comfortable animals perform better, and that they um, obviously get a better you get a better return. But some of our uh, the, the the buzzword around here this year is environment and emissions, and we're sort of um, pretty forward thinking in that regard. We have. Found our uh, slurry technology, which is um, a very, very good product that we acquired from a, an English company a number of years ago there, well, a couple of years ago, ongoing trials, etc., on, on emissions, and our uh, emissions reduction slatted flooring, which is uh, proven very popular, yeah. Okay, and I'm just looking here at some of the cubicles and the mats there. What are the benefits of uh, rubber mats and rubber cubicles? Yeah, I suppose the the main the main thing for a cow cubicle is it's come an awful long way. But the main thing for a cow cubicle is to entice your cow to lie down for X amount of hours a day and, and a cow lying down will produce more milk than a cow standing up or, or lying on concrete or that um, uh, burning more energy when they should be producing milk you know um, the biggest thing for us from an easy fix perspective is the animal welfare and the and the safety there's no such thing anymore as a, a cow getting stuck in a cubicle um, the mattress the softer the mattress the, the, you know the longer the cow is going to lie down in it the more she's inclined to lie down in it um, and from the cubicle perspective it's flexible in other words if a cow decides she's going to attempt to turn around or something like that she's not going to injure herself off what would be a traditional steel cubicle so I suppose it's an awful lot safer in terms of cow management and people management as well obviously Absolutely. There's a there's a huge first of all there's obviously a saving in, in vet spills because um, you don't have those bruises or injuries. But you also have uh, the the labour as aspect of having to get up in the morning. You have the peace of mind, I suppose, that you're not going to wake up in the morning and go out and find a cow stuck in a cubicle. And uh, that whole mantra, I suppose, is 
feeds into everything that Easy Fix does. It's it's about giving you the peace of mind that your cows will be fine, they'll be safe, and they'll be getting the max. You'll be getting the maximum out of them from a comfort perspective, which um, leads to productivity as well. You know. Okay, and just in relation to other products, you have obviously horse products as well, um, and you're in supplying a lot of different countries as well. Could you just give us a bit of information maybe about the different countries you're supplying and the different products worldwide? Yeah, we have uh, 135 agents around the world in 60 different countries that sell our products, and um, we have a fantastic network, a network that we're constantly developing. Um, supporting our agents is a huge part of what we're about, doing sales training and uh, supporting them in terms of marketing and sales. And uh, So yeah, we have a fantastic network. Uh, our other products in terms of our equine, we don't have any equine products here at the show because it's very, very agri-focused. But having said that, I spent uh, four days last week at the Blenheim Horse Trials over in the UK where we had an equine stand. I was also the previous w- that Wednesday of last week at, a, at, a, at UK Dairy Day. Uh, so we do a lot of shows. Uh, the equine is, is, is a lovely business in its own right it's a very small percentage of our business because our agri is very very strong with that number of agents around the world and uh, it's, it's, it's interesting selling into different countries uh, but the funny thing is you know no matter what country you go to farmers or farmers everybody thinks the same way and uh, it's funny no matter how far in the world away from Ireland you are you, you do find common denominators between farmers regardless of where they're from. And just in relation to the, the slurry management system, could you tell us a little bit more about that? Obviously, in, envir- the environment is very important. Emissions reducing methane um, and reducing other emissions. Um, can you tell us a small bit how the slurry system works? Yeah, it's uh, actually quite unique as far as slurry uh, aeration systems go. Uh, it works off a compressor system. Um, rather than a blower system, so our aim is not to bubble slurry into froth, uh, which which you know is obviously very uh, viscous, easy to easy to spread and easy to suck out of the tank and all that. But that's not the actual aim. Our slurry uh, comes through a compressor, which is uh, sent in, sent into a, a sequencer then, which uh, blows different outlets at any given time so the whole thing isn't blowing air together it's sequenced it's on a timer so you could have a, a, um, a portal in on the far corner of the on the tank blowing it one minute and it'll be blowing at the top end of the tank the next minute so the slurry is constantly moving but rather than blowing off all the emissions into the atmosphere the emissions are being retained in the tank the the aerobic bacteria which are the bacteria we want to to retain nitrogen in, in our slurry they're being supported um, and you're as a result you're getting fantastic retention of nitrogen up to 50 percent in trials that we've seen recently and with the price of fertilizer if you can retain uh, up to 50 percent more nitrogen in your slurry you're on a winner straight away very good and just in relation to um, we see here now you also have the plastic um, barriers for for cattle as well obviously a a new enough product Um, how, how are they going Actually, one of our most, probably our most popular product at the minute is the Evolve Feed Barrier. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a product that's very, very cow-friendly. Um, we're, we're all used to the traditional metal barriers, whereby, um, you know, uh, we, see, we see them in sheds from, since we were kids. They've never really changed. Uh, they, they, the biggest problem with them is a lot of hoof damage happens at the feed barrier. So when a cow pushes on a metal feed barrier, and this is independent research, a cow pushes on a metal feed barrier, she puts 500 pounds of pressure on her front feet. Uh, 
uh, and hoof damage starts at 200 pounds of pressure okay so when a cow puts 200 pounds of pressure on her feet she's actually doing hoof damage they generally put 500 pounds of pressure when they push against a feed barrier the beauty of this plastic feed barrier is there's no overhead rail uh, there's a contour for her shoulders so her legs can get right into the feed wall she has no capacity to push um, but she is still getting maximum reach she can lift her head in a very very natural way I mean when you walk into a shed and there's an evolved feed barrier in it the cows lift their heads and look at you as though they would in a field you know they have complete freedom of movement they don't feel like there's any restrictions and as a result they stay at the feed phase for longer and take in more um, more forage of course which obviously increases um, increases milk yield and performance as well so it's a very very interesting product and even the design of them there obviously they, they can reach out further than they could in normal conventional barriers I suppose it probably saves the t- farmer time shoving in silage as well possibly yes it does I mean that's definitely one of the advantages to it but it's funny you know we we monitor uh, cows in every aspect we put cameras into sheds we look at what they're doing how they behave in a shed Uh, and the funny thing is you know even if the silage is even if there's silage right under the cow's nose she will always reach because it's like I suppose it's like us eating our dinner you might go for something on the plate first and all just because silage looks the same it doesn't mean that it all tastes the same and a cow will know that there's a bit of silage further away from her that tastes a bit better than what's under her nose so you'll never stop a cow reaching and that's why it's important to understand that and to understand the importance of uh, safety and comfort when she is reaching and obviously uh, stuff like uh, you don't get the traditional bruises and marks and hair loss that you get associated with metal barriers and again the hoof damage is a big uh, a big one. So we're live here at the Ploughing in Ratanesca so next to me is a, a famous Galway man um, John Cuncannon from JFC Products. Hello John how are you keeping? Keith, how are you? And you're welcome to Ploughing 2022. Um, it's a long time coming, I suppose. This is after three years or two years sitting by the fire looking out. <laughs> it's great to get back and great to get in here and, and, and uh, get back to what we do well. Um, the, today is a massive day. There's huge crowds. It's an unbelievable experience at the Ploughing 2022. We are awful busy on the stand. Um, seems to be a lot of customers and, that come to see what we have and the new products that we have. Um, huge interest in the calf feeder, which is one of the, the big breakthroughs that we're after making in, in JFC in the last few years. So it must be one of the biggest days for you in terms of sales and meeting customers uh, nationally, and obviously you're going uh, global now at this stage, uh, John. Yeah, well, JFC has grown considerably over the years. There's 450 people. They're in 11 companies in six different countries. Um, you know, it's, it's has grown from strength to strength. Uh, we have a huge expansion in Tume at the moment. Uh, that'll be coming on stream uh, next year. Um, so, yeah, you know, everything is good, I suppose. We've had to deal with the COVID crisis and all that, and I think that the the new pandemic now is energy and the price of gas and the price of electric. Uh, that's going to impact on an awful lot of companies. Uh, government needs to do something about that. It's a tough space. Um, I know we're going to be hit very, very hard with, with it. And we are taking moves now to put in various new machines and things so that we can generate our own power on site. There's a range of different products here, uh, John. You have wheelbarrows, you have automatic calf feeders, you have, there's hutches, there's every kind of a, a plastic product, there's pipes, there's you name it. There's a, a, the, the new milk carts there, uh, you have feeders for hay, for nuts, um, every type of a feeder. I'm just looking here across from me, so you have the JFC Evolution calf feeder. Can you tell me a small bit about that, John? Well, you know, that's something we're working on for five years and we're selling it for the last three years. Um, it's a ph- phenomenal product. There's over a thousand machines working in Ireland. 
it, it's there's two the Evolution 70 and there's the 140. Um, one will feed up to 70 calves, the other one will feed 140 calves. People have known to rear up to 200 calves on one machine. Uh, it's fully automatic. Uh, it's the best feed, feeder on the market. We have taken a lead in that. And, uh, you know, it, from the R&D team in Tume, who have spent the last five years developing, implementing, altering, changing, uh, and bringing this to, a, you know, a quality world product. This is, this is a global product that will be. And, you know, we are, we are only in our infancy with it in Ireland and England at the, at the moment. But um, there's, I think, six or seven new dealers now appointed in the UK. Uh, there's a great team, a great sales team, design and development team, and also, most importantly, for feeding calves is a service team. We have six servicemen who cover the country, and uh, that's why we win sales. We sell because we service. And, uh, you know, they just make things happen. They don't wait for things to happen, and that's what we do well. And John, I suppose we see a massive increase in dairy cow numbers going forward. We look at the, at the minute there's between 1.5 and 1.6 million dairy cows in Ireland at the moment. So obviously it's a major labour-saving tool on farms. You know, they can they can uh, they tag the calves and or the collars and the calves are and it, it obviously reduces an awful lot of work workflow for farmers, especially during spring springtime when it's very busy. Um, you know, it, there's a massive work 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 saving there in terms of farmers as well during the busy spring period. Well, I suppose if you take the way the dairying has gone, labour is there's a shortage of labour in every industry. Farming is no different. Um, it's difficult to get young people to spend the hours and come out and milk cows, and especially to feed calves. It's a boring job feeding calves, and uh, you know changes have to be made. Uh, in the milking, you have robots. This is the robot of the calf feeding. And as I said, we have the best one on the market. Um, the farmers like it. I, I've talked to fellas today and said it just gives them so much free time. Um, it will efficiently rear, uh, you know, up to 150 calves, and they'll be all the same. It'll be they get each of them gets the required amount, that the specific amount. You can program the machine to give them what you want, and you can really, really make top quality calves out of them. So. Yeah, it's, it's, technology is moving on, labour is scarce, the machine fits that space. If we, if we look back at the, the Late Late Show interview back in the day, uh, John, where you had the, the bucket with the teats on it, it's amazing how technology has advanced from that. Well, if you take JFC as a company, uh, in 1987, on the 18th of December, I was on the Late Late Show. And it's amazingly... The first year we were on the Late Late Show, the turnover was 18,000. <laughs> so 18 was a popular number. And from that on, the next year was 56, and then the year after that was 120. So then were the little stages of a start-up in the west of Ireland. You know, a lot of people said that Gay was really taking the piss, and more people say that Gay really did a great job in putting JFC on, on the road. And in fairness, he did, but... The ways people interpreted what was happening on that show and it's there on YouTube to be seen today, you know, it was the, the really, really start-up for us. The unfortunate thing about it is we got massive exposure. There was only one channel. It was on a Saturday night. Huge, huge exposure. Weren't able to deliver. So typical small company syndrome, maximum publicity and not able to deliver. So... We've, we've changed, we've learned from the experiences. I know we're 35 years at it now. And uh, 
as I said, the, the, you know, it has it's gone from strength to strength. It's great, you know, to come up to the ploughing as a Galway man speaking from one Galway man to another. It's great to see, you know, a Galway company have such a, a, a massive presence here at the ploughing. You know, it's unbelievable. There's thousands of people. There's even, even as we're speaking here, there's hundreds of people have come in and out of the stand. So where can people find you? What's, what row are you on, uh, John? And maybe what have you to offer here coming on the stand? Well, it's awful easy to find the JFC stand because we have a, a balloon hanging over the, over the stand. The JFC blimp is there. And I'll, have, I'll wind the clock back, I think it's about 10 years ago, um, our blimp broke away. And amazingly, I am a balloon pilot. So I told them in Shannon uh, about that the blimp had gone and was heading for Dublin. And the next thing, Shannon, who was the local air traffic controllers, they got onto Dublin. We, they closed the airport down. And I, we never got the blimp, so they reckon that the army shot it down because it was going into the, the flight, zone, flight lanes of the planes. And again, they said it was a stunt that I pulled, which it wasn't, but I'd be well able to do, but I wouldn't dream up that one now. Some fella cut the rope of the blimp and let it off. And it wasn't you, John? It wasn't me. <laughs> Look at John. Uh, thanks very much. Uh, it's been it's been great to talk to you, and we're delighted to see the progress JFC is making year on year. It's a fantastic employer in Galway. It's a fantastic product worldwide. Uh, thank you very much, John. Thank you. You know, it's the help from you, and I suppose from the local newspapers, but Galway Bay in particular have played a great part in in the success of JFC. You mightn't realise it, but exposure and things like this very often keeps gives me a call in the morning. I remember the year. Everything blew up down in uh, Tullamore with the, with the hurricane. He rang me and I did an interview with him. So we're always there live some way or another. And I appreciate being invited onto your programme. Thank you very much. John Cookhannon, thanks very much from JFC. So we're joined here at the National Ploughing Championships in Ratanesca uh, with Grania and Caitlin. Um, so I suppose, Grania, whereabouts are you from and what are you here today? Um, we're from Perilous in County Tipperary and we're here as part of the Certified Irish Angus Schools competition. We're one of the five finalists who've won the calves this year. So we're being presented with the calves at the ploughing this year. Very good. So how many calves do you, um, do you receive, um, Caitlin? Uh, we've received five calves. So there's five groups who have each received five calves. And the secondary school you're from is? The Earthline Secondary School in Thurlis. Okay. So what's the, the competition uh, for people that are unaware of the Certified English Schools competition? Um, so you start the competition in transition year and it's a competition for the transition years and you start off by making a video and it kind of focuses on a theme so everybody gets a theme so we chose farm health and safety for our theme and after the video some groups are chosen for an interview and we went to do an interview in Limerick then and we got on well at the interview so then we moved on and you have to present a project in Croke Park so for our project we did farm safety as I said and we focused on talking to primary schools on farm safety so we went to three primary schools before Croke Park and we're planning on going to more. Um, we've done up lesson plans and things for teachers. So that's kind of what we're focusing on so far. And we're talking a bit about farmers' mental health as well. And we have a survey here at the Ploughing today. And we've been surveying farmers throughout the day on their mental health and how Angus um, links in with the farmers' mental and physical health. Okay, so there must have been a lot involved um, in preparing the video um, for the health and safety. So what did you cover in the vid video? So in the video, we obviously covered our topic, farm health and safety. Um, the main element was we visited our local mart in Thurlis and we went through some of the f safety features such as the raised crushes and all the safety signs. Um, that was the main component of our video. And then we also went through some of the safety features on farms such as 
good tra like sturdy transport and the manhole and the PTO shafts on machinery and stuff like that. And so where were the calves kept and whose farm were the calves kept on? Um, we're actually only taking the, far the calves home on Thursday. So they're coming back to my farm and Grania and they're coming back to my farm until next November and then they'll be going for a slaughter and we'll be getting the profits from that and that's kind of the prize of the competition nearly is then calves that you're winning then so we'll take them home now on Thursday. Oh brilliant, very good. And what kind of farming do you both operate? Um, well we have a beef farm at home and we have horses. So that's it from Ratanesca County Leash here at the National Ploughing Championships. Um, so we hope you enjoyed the show and if there are any queries about this week's topics or if you would like to topic covered in the next show please give me an email at countrylife at galwaybayfm.ie so that's countrylife at galwaybayfm.ie and I'll get back to you so until next week and choose next Tuesday evening at 7 have a lovely evening and next up is Melodies with Valerie Hughes followed by The Nightfly with Donald Mahan You're listening to Country Life with Keith Fahey on Galway Bay FM 103.9